0: If you have your Bible, turn to uh, Luke chapter 16. Uh, just for the record, my shirt is blue. It's not purple. Someone asked me this today, is your shirt purple? And I just want to go on record, it's the light. No, it doesn't make any difference. Nothing's wrong with purple. (laughs) Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. Thank you for your word, for the truth, and thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We want to be fully word and fully spirit. And so we open our hearts to you, even as you've been present this morning, to speak to us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We've been talking in, in the bigger picture about the living in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is quite a bit different than the world. That's why it was Jesus' main message. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than anything else because it's hard for us to understand that his rule, his reign is so different than the world. And so we've been talking about that for quite a few months. We've talked about a number of aspects of that and we've been talking most more recently about kingdom finances and how the approach of the kingdom is so different. You know, when we come to Jesus, we get saved. Our spirit comes alive, we're saved But then there's a process of us being transformed by the renewing of our mind as we grow into living in the kingdom, we're being saved. But then the Bible talks about a point where we will be saved when our physical body takes on the glorious eternal body. And so there's uh, justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification. I preached about that a number of weeks ago. And uh, sometimes it's difficult for us to realize that it all didn't happen when we just got saved. Our spirit got saved. We were justified. We were made the righteousness of God. But then there's a changing of how we think so that we can live in this kingdom. God's preparing us for eternity with him. And when he comes or when he takes us to him, we get a new body as well. Some of you think you've already got a new body. (laughs) Most of us realize we haven't. So when we talk about being transformed, when we talk about living in the kingdom, that's really what we're talking about. So in kingdom finances, we need to realize that it's totally different than the way of the world. So we start out with, uh, in this series, which I'm finishing today. For those of you who who are wondering, is he ever going to finish with this? Ben is really good. He tells me, okay, we've had enough of that. Can you do something else now? I love that. We start out with that the issue of kingdom finances is really an issue of the heart. It's not how much we have. It's how much of our heart he has. And then we talked about God is our source. If you don't get that, you never understand anything else about kingdom finances, or or indeed much of the kingdom. God is our source. He uses different channels. Some of you are in the process of God changing channels, but he's still the source. Then we talked about in that, the flip side of that is that God's our source. We have to renounce mammon or the spirit of the world a whole different focus. Spirit of the World is very self-centered. It's all about greed. It leads to all kinds of things we talked about. Unfortunately, that one, for some reason, we had a technical difficulty. It didn't get recorded. Uh, And so in this series, hopefully I'll I'll have some time in the near future to redo that. So it's part of that series. I'm hoping. I'm not promising. (laughs) I might get Steve to do it because he's actually very good at that. We talked last week about God's pattern. When God's our source and we renounce mammon and the spirit of the world, then we take on a different pattern. And that is God's pattern, which has to do with tithes and offerings. But today, I want to talk about being good stewards. See, we often think that if I've got a little bit of God's pattern, that's all I need. But there's more. So... Luke chapter 16, verse 1, He said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that he was wasting his goods, the rich man's goods. Verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another's man's, who will give you what is your own? Over in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word steward comes from a Greek word which is a combination of house and to arrange. It's a oikonomos, and it's literally arranging a house. It's a manager of a house. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let no man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So you kind of get in that picture. There's something of this concept of faithfulness. And then in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So what does all this mean? Real quick, Kingdom 101. I want to review just real quick. Bottom line is in the kingdom, we're not our own. I'm not my own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What does that say? You're not your own. That's the basic concept of coming into the kingdom, is that we've been bought. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him. He does not live for us. We live for him. He doesn't exist for me. I exist for him. Therefore, all I have is his. Which means I'm a manager or a steward of what he has entrusted to me. It's not mine, it's his. Okay, before you get too focused, finances is the least of what's been entrusted to you. Too often we think it's all about finances, but let me tell you, if it's all about finances for you, then you haven't renounced the spirit of mammon. There's much more. So if I'm a steward of what is his, and it's really not mine, then what does that look like? Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Firstly, as I said, I think, firstly, I think God wants you to live and to enjoy life. He wants you to be Blessed. But eventually, the circle that represents your lifestyle has to close. Now, if you can picture a circle here that's open, this is the lifestyle. The circle represents all the expenses that we have, our lifestyle. And in the world, that circle is open. And no matter how much income you get, that circle just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. So no matter how much you get... You just keep expanding and spending it on yourself. In the kingdom, I believe there's something of that circle closing where God wants you to be blessed, but there's a point where you say, okay, I have enough. In the world, it just keeps expanding. Paul Egar was telling me about a survey he had read a while back that people making about 40,000 a year said they felt that they would be comfortable if they only had about 20% more. Which isn't a whole lot. But in that same survey, people who are making 400000 a year said they would be comfortable if they only had about 20% more. Why? Because the circle just keeps expanding. And we just keep spending more. A number of years ago, I was traveling in Indonesia in the early 2000s. I was on a plane and uh, I had picked up a newspaper in the airport as I got on the plane and the newspaper. This is in Indonesia. Uh, that I was reading an article about the government was seeking relief from the International Monetary Fund to uh, absolve them of their debt, which was 36 billion dollars in debt for the nation thing is that a few weeks before I went to Indonesia, I had read another article about the president, Suharto, who had just resigned or just stepped down, retired, and it was said that his family was worth $50 billion. Now, he could personally have paid off the whole national debt to the IMF of 36... Billion and still had 14 billion left over. Maybe you could live on 14 billion, huh? <laughs> exactly. Now, at that point, average uh, income for, from investments was averaging about 10%. So, with 14 billion, if you invest that and you get average income, 10%, you get $1.4 billion a year, which turns out to be $3.8 million per day. How many of you think you could live on $3.8 million per day? But why did he think he couldn't? Because the spirit of mammon says, just keep expanding. So here's the question How big is your lifestyle circle? In other words, how much is enough? I want to set you free this morning because the answer to that question is between you and God alone. No one else determines how much is enough for you, no one else determines your lifestyle, God does. You have one master, one Lord, no one else but him. But eventually, with him, you have to settle how much is enough. Otherwise, you put yourself back under the spirit of the world, which says, I just need more, more. And maybe you do. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not talking about how much is enough income. I'm talking about how much is enough lifestyle. And you'll see why that's important in a few minutes. But before I get into that, let me just make a real quick uh, an aside, one of my many asides, uh, that I don't want to take a whole lot of time on. But I just want to speak real briefly on Something about debt. Let me tell you this. Debt is bad stewardship. Because you pay a whole lot more for things. My son, uh, when he first got married, called me and he was looking to get a, a sofa for their house and he and his wife and they'd looked at the sofa and it was had this special deal and it was on sale for about $2,000, the sofa they were looking at. And he said, no, that, you know, I can pay this over time and it's only about 30 a week. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. If you add up how much you pay over the, the time frame, if you do that, you don't pay 2000 you pay over 3000 Would you buy that sofa if it were $3,000? He said, no, that's not a deal. I said, then don't even think about paying it over time because that's what you end up paying. Why is this important? The world or mammon wants you in debt. Banks make billions of dollars a year from people being in debt. Also gives mammon a leverage over you. So the Bible has a lot to say about debt. Almost all of it, not good. But debt and the lack of budgeting are why many people can't close their lifestyle circle. Why they can't live within what they have because they've got a debt that they're trying to service. Enough said, I'm not trying to pound you. I just want you to to take a look and say, hey, what does the Bible say? There is a huge growth in credit cards and afterpay that is just skyrocketing, why? Because they're making it easy for you? No, they want you to default so that it reverses something else and you end up paying them interest. Interest on credit cards is atrocious. So, still like me? Okay, just a word to the wise. If you're young, you need to take a look at what the Bible says. Otherwise, you end up supporting the banks and nothing else. Okay, let me tell you a story. This is kind of like a parable. This is made up, but you'll see where it came from. I hope at the end, if if I did a good job. There were these uh, pioneers who were moving into a, a new country. There was this open area, and they were moving in here, and they came and there was these hills and and way back in the back were mountains and one guy came in and he he found a stream and he built his house next to the stream and he thought this is a beautiful place and uh, then he got thinking, but what happens if the stream dries up what happens if if this if I don't have any water so he builds a dam to store all the water that comes down his stream His stream. And so he's basically motivated by fear of what might be. A second guy comes in to the area and he finds another river stream and he builds his house next to it, but he doesn't even think about it drying up. And he, so he uses what he needs and he lets the water flow by to wherever it's going. And he thinks, you know, that's fine. And then there's a third guy who comes to the area. But before settling, next to a river, he starts traveling back up, follow the river, back up into the mountains. And he finds these mountains have a huge amount of snow, even in, in the end of summer. And he sees dozens of huge lakes full of water, holding vast amounts. And so he comes back, he settles by his river, and he's knowing the reservoir, the resources of water available. He doesn't build a dam. He doesn't just take what he needs. He starts digging channels, canals to other people because he knows this will never run out. So he begins to provide for others. Sound familiar? He was faithful and little. If you were God, who would you release the most resources to and through? The guy who made the dam? You love him, you're God, you're going to provide for him, but you're not going to release a whole lot. The guy who allowed it to just go by, yeah, you're going to provide for him. But who are you going to release the most resources to and through? The guy who has enough, whose circle is closed, and then who digs channels to others. So, I'm going to conclude in just a, a couple minutes. But I want you to think of this. How does this apply to us? We live for him, he doesn't exist for us. We're part of his plan. When we're part of his plan, he provides an abundance. Mary and I were planning a church in Melbourne. I've told most of you this story, but I'm gonna tell you again, because it's wonderful. Uh, we were planning a church in Melbourne. We, uh, church gave us a partial salary. We, I was working in a building industry, uh, to make ends meet. And we had a friend uh, who's part of the uh, apostolic team that we partner with came and he gave us a a word that God was saying something to us about, it was time for us to be involved in the nations again. And uh, after making a joke that we were Americans in Australia, this is the nations, uh, we realized that God wasn't saying that, God was saying our involvement in ministering into other churches in other nations. But, I mean, we're, we're open to hearing God, and Mary and I prayed and said, God, you know, this is great, but we have no money. And God spoke to us from a scripture in Ezra that said, the expenses will be paid from the king's treasury. Now, that was a Rhema word. We're not changing the context of what it meant, but God spoke something to us personally. And we said, okay, God, if this is you, Wonderful, we believe it, it's time for the, the nations again. And uh, we're open to that, but you have to provide. And just uh, a month or so later, we get an invitation to be part of a uh, international training time in another nation, actually in, in America. And uh, we said, okay, God, we're, we're willing to go, but we have no money. And that week, someone came to us and they said, we were praying, we had saved money for a trip overseas, but we can't go now, things have changed. And, and when we were praying, God said to give the money to you because you were gonna take a trip overseas. And we went, "Ha! Huh, God's provided the, the airfare already. And it was enough to cover our trip overseas. So we, in faith, long history of believing God in faith, we set out to go to the States for this three week time we're going to visit family, but also for this training. And when we got to the States, we uh, at the airport, I converted the money we have. I had 50 Australian dollars. And with the conversion rate to the U.S. dollar and the fee, I ended up with with $22, American dollars, for three weeks. But God said, hey, the the, uh, expense will be paid from the king's treasury. And so we go to first night, stay with some friends in the LA area. Uh, And he had asked me to to preach at his church on that Sunday. This was Thursday when we, uh, Wednesday when we got there. So Thursday morning, we wake up and say, okay, we decided we're going to go shopping. We've got the biggest indoor shopping mall in America. And we're going to go there. We're going to go shopping. And we looked at each other, laughed and said, short shopping trip. We got $22.00. And he laughed. He said, oh, no, no, about three months ago when we knew that you were going to... Actually, three weeks ago when we knew you were coming, our church decided we were going to take you shopping and the church was going to pay for anything and everything you wanted. No, no limits except that you have to take it home in your suitcases. So the very first day we go shopping and we're able to buy our boys' wanted shoes. Or a big suitcase. First thing we did was, but no, <laughs> we buy a really big suitcase. But, we, but the very first day, we had gifts to take back to our boys, which was one of the the top things on our list. And uh, we just felt absolutely blessed. And then I preached at that church on the weekend, and they blessed us, and we went to stay with another family, and they told us about how uh, about six months earlier, they felt in God to send us uh, some money, so they wrote a check. And uh, that week, they found the check on their desktop, under While well, they were cleaning up because we were coming, they cleaned up their desk and found out that the, they never sent the check. So when we got there, they gave us this check, and it covered all of our expenses for the week of that uh, that equipping time we were at. Bottom line is, in that three weeks that we were there, not only did we have enough to cover everything, but God blessed us with enough to go back to pay for all the bills that we couldn't pay for it because I wasn't working. God did everything. That's a wonderful story, but let me tell you, that's the beginning. Since that point, we've done at last count 56 international trips and over 100 domestic trips, all that God's paid for. He's faithful. When we live for him, were part of his plan, understand he has an abundance, he has an unlimited resource, and he knows that he does. Think about that he knows he has unlimited resources, he's not stingy. But when we've renounced the selfishness of mammon, the world, and we follow his pattern. He will bless us. Matthew 6:33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 6:32 says God knows what you need. He'll bless you. But it doesn't stop there. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're not just blessed to have a unlimited lifestyle. We're blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing as well. Matthew uh, 10, 8b says, freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. What? What have you received? you received love. Freely you receive, freely give. You received forgiveness. Freely you receive, freely give. You received grace. You have received finances, but of those, finances are the least. You've also received the good news of the gospel. You came to know Jesus because someone shared the gospel with you or you heard it somewhere. And that is eternal. That, I think, is probably one of the greatest gifts. You still with me? So to conclude all this talk about kingdom finances, I'd like us to pray that God enlarge us, that we can be generous in all things. You bow your head. Lord, I pray. I ask you that you would enlarge my heart, that I can be truly generous in all things. Then I'll know what you say in Acts 20:35 is more blessed to give than to receive. And then we'll know that we really can't outgive you, that as we release channels to others, you just pour more and more. And we have the blessing of not only having enough, bread to eat, but also seed to sow. And so, Lord, we just ask for an enlargement. Set us free from the spirit of the world. Help us to see differently your kingdom finances. But more than anything, give us a revelation of the covenant that we have with you and that you says, say that you'll provide for the things we need. But more than that, We're blessed that we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me say this. You really can't outgive give God. Uh, I used to hear that all the time, but it was always in the context of give and you'll get. And Mary and I, as we began to understand some of this, we decided at one point, we're going to see if we can outgive God. And so we just decided for a month. I mean, this was not open ended, but for a month, we were going to give as much as we could. And everything that came in, we were going to give away. And uh, we found out you can't outgive God, He's a source. I have no idea where it came from. But realize, okay, God's amazing. Now that's, that's, we only did it for a month because you still have to live. <laughs> you still got to pay the bills and you still got to eat. If you give everything away, then eventually you're going to get very skinny. <laughs> God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to be blessed. But there's more than that in the kingdom. Okay. And please, understand, money is the least. He says if you're faithful in this, I'll entrust you to the true riches. We're gonna talk over the next month on the gospel of the kingdom, the true riches, okay? Will you stand? angels. (laughs) angels. <laughs> Lord, we just stand uh, absolutely amazed at uh, what you've done, how you've poured into us. Lord, how blessed we are. That even simple thing that we live in the nation, we do. Your word says that you determined that, and we are blessed. Uh, Father, we're just so grateful. But more than that, of the natural things. We've received grace beyond measure, far beyond what we ever deserve. You pour your love into us, not just something we believe, a God far away. You actually come alongside. You comfort us while we just stand amazed at all that we've received. Greatest thing that we've been restored to relationship with you. while we were still sinners, Christ died, that we might be restored to God. Lord, we we don't deserve that. But we've received so much. We understand that one of the keys of your kingdom is giving. Giving is a key that unlocks the kingdom. Giving is a key that unlocks the gospel. Giving is a key that unlocks your grace. Your love, as we humble ourselves, you pour out grace. Grace produces in us gratitude. And gratitude opens the door to generosity and to the supernatural. So we don't don't ever wanna take you for granted. Thank you for all that you're doing. Transform us so that we can live in your kingdom. And partner with you for your purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need someone to pray with you, if you just kind of stick your hand up, people around you would love to pray with you. If you need someone to uh, introduce you to Jesus, we'd love to do that. If you need to make some adjustments, set in your heart that you're going to do that before you leave. Because the word says, what happens is that you hear the word of God, and if you don't respond, you go out, and the cares of the world chokes it out, and it never bears fruit. So don't say, "I someday, set your heart that when I hear truth, I'm going to respond to what God's saying to me. Every time. Right away. And then you can say, okay, what does that look like later? Okay? Bless you. Have a wonderful day.